Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Look at multifamily and apartment complexes and all of that, and it's just crazy how many people pad the performance to get that higher ask price. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, Best Ever listeners, and welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with Stacy Barenfuss. Stacy, how are you doing today? Good, Theo. How are you today? I am well. Thanks for asking. Thanks for joining us today. Looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Stacy. She is the founder and CEO of Catalyst Group, and she started a real estate company at 19 and survived the 2007 to 2010 housing crisis. And since then, she has built her real estate company into a seven-figure operation. She is based in Eagle, Idaho, and her website is catalystidaho.com. So Stacy, do you mind telling us some more about your background and then what you're focused on today? Absolutely. So I was a senior in high school, actually, and joking around with some friends and they challenged me to apply at a local resort real estate office as a salesperson. And obviously at that time, I was focused on high school and not able to go full-time into that field. But the resort real estate office ended up hiring me as an admin assistant to one of their coordinators. And that was the start of the real estate quest, as I say. So I worked there for a short period of time and quickly saw that There was a gap in the industry that I could fill, which is related to how I was seeing customer service being handled and just the gap overall in the client experience. So I proceeded with getting my license at 19 and just really wanted to make a difference in the industry with how people experience the process, really inspiring them to see that whatever their goals are can be achieved versus a real estate agent sort of being like a burden a lot of times, more often than not, unfortunately, instead of a help. So started that. Then when I was 19 and built my business as a single agent and then started building the team. And currently that's where I'm at today. I've done some development on my own and built some properties, but the focus is existing residential and new construction today with my real estate team. Perfect. So when you were 19, was that 
before or after? Had you started your business already on your own and then the crisis happened? Or did you start it during the housing crisis? It was 2006 that I got licensed. So it was essentially right as it was happening. Yeah, so that's when I started. Perfect timing. Mm -hmm, I timed that one right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it seems like it worked out. So let's talk about that a little bit. What's it like? Because as we're recording this in December, and technically, according to the Fed, a recession started back in February. So what advice would you have for an agent who's maybe got their license within the past six months to a year? And they see that there's a lot of stuff going on with real estate and the current recession. What advice would you have for someone like that? I would definitely advise, what I always say is the recession is my favorite time in a market because the strong survive and all the market share that was taken from people getting into real estate because it was really good or, or easy, as they say, you get that market share back. So all of the random aunts and uncles of the people that were your clients before, they typically go and get a, another job because they weren't trying to make it their career. So as far as the recession and what you can do to the recession proof your business is Just be aware that if you work your business like a business and commit to the numbers, the metrics of keeping in contact with your people and religiously doing that day in and day out, you will truly survive any storm. That's what I did then. That's what we do now. And what you do in a bad market is really what protects you in a good market because it's easy to do a lot of business in a good market. But when you're operating from that same blueprint, you exponentially grow your business in a good market because you're operating from that recession plan, if you will. Can you go to a little bit more detail on what you mean by religiously and constantly staying in contact with people? Who are these people? And then what's your strategy for staying in contact? And what do you do? And then how do you make sure you're continuously doing that? Yeah. What I encourage realtors to do is to focus on an area of business that you want to pursue that you enjoy. And if you don't like cold calling, don't do cold calling, do open houses and networking if you like that in-person experience. So the more that you can cater to your strengths, the more sustainable that your plan is going to be. So do that. So what I mean by reaching out to these people is, let's say you really enjoy open houses, then make sure that three weekends out of a month, you have an open house going, since you're probably not doing that during the week, you have an open house going three weekends out of four, And that is your lead generation, the metrics that you need to be working on. So you would need to make sure that as an example, 10 people come through your open house. If they don't, you need to have a strategy of what else you're going to do. So that could look like door knocking to the neighborhood while you're at the house or before, after the open house, introducing yourself, asking who they know that needs to buy or sell real estate. And connecting with those people and making those contacts and then putting those contacts into your database and creating a nurture campaign so that you can stay in touch with them and create them into clients ultimately. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. One of the hardest tasks to balance while scaling your real estate investing business is accounting. Well, realestateaccounting.co takes care of the numbers for you so you can grow your business and revenue. REA helps property managers and investors save time and money by automating back office, financial, admin, and accounting. Starting is quick and seamless from accounts payable to reconciliations, taxes, and reporting. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever 
to find out how REA clients save on average 30% by leveraging their accounting services versus hiring in-house. With CPAs on staff and being owner-operators themselves, REA knows the challenges of your growing real estate business. Try it risk-free at realestateaccounting.co forward slash bestever. And remember to mention the Best Ever podcast sent you to receive up to $1,800 towards onboarding and services. That's realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. What's the nurture campaign? Is that capturing their information and then making your list and sending content to that list? Is that what that means? Yeah. And more so just looking at it, like how can you provide value? Updating them each quarter on what the value of their home is, as an example. Keeping them up to date each month on the market. I always like to provide an educational and inspirational piece to whatever contact I'm making. So making sure that you're not only calling them to say, are you ready yet? But you're also calling to educate them on something, interest rates. Maybe you know that they were also considering refinancing. If you always go to that, I'll provide and you decide kind of a mentality. That's what we say on our team the more impact that you can make and the bigger your business will get because you're worried about the impact versus the transaction. Let's zoom out a little bit and try to talk about something that applies to anyone who's in real estate or I guess in business in general, and that's scaling. And so you said you started off doing this by yourself and then eventually started bringing on team members. And then now you've got your seven figure operation. So walk us through to start how that initial scaling works. So I'm an investor, I'm working everything by myself. I have no one working under me. I've got no employees in my business. How do I know when it's time to hire employees and how do I know who to even hire first? I definitely think that sitting down and making a plan of what is that ultimate vision for your investing company? What does that look like? And how big do you want it to be? Do you want to mess with employees and team? And really be honest with yourself because some people, they don't want to mess with it and that's fine. But in the case where, you know, you're really looking to scale is you can succeed and do things at a completely different level through people and cover a lot more ground. So looking at the first question of when is the right time to hire or scale? And for me, um, it's funny, my husband is very logical and more of that engineer kind of mind and I'm visionary. So for me, I actually started sooner than I think you should. My thought process was if I could get someone to do these postcards and these mailers that is taking time and it's super annoying to me, frankly, then I could go out and be with more people. So I took that leap really in the first year because there's that element of, do I have a year's worth of savings on covering expenses and everything like that? That all is, of course, runway. That runway is so important, but also trusting in your vision that you create up front and what you're trying to do. That is equally as important because you could wait and wait and wait and really miss your opportunity to scale. So I definitely think looking at the tasks that you're doing that are less than $250 an hour, if there are a lot of those it's time to hire and bring those people in. And there's ways that you can make your team a part of the profit producing activities. So everyone has skin in the game so that it's not an employee that's just an expense, but it's, they're all in on the vision too. So I think that that's the first piece. 
And then looking at the vision and what tasks only you can do and trying to delegate and outsource everything else makes it so that the business grows exponentially. What's the hardest step in the scaling process? Is it going from you to one other person or is it a little bit further down the line where it gets a little bit harder? Is that the easy part? Like, oh, I got my first hire. This is super easy. And all of a sudden you got five employees and you're just like, oh, this is the hard part. What's the most challenging part that you've come across in scaling your business? The most challenging part is setting the expectations piece and clearly writing out the job descriptions and the metrics and all of that. Because I didn't do that up front. I hired first and I expected them to read my mind and I was surprised when they didn't. So really diving into those expectations, I think is there whether you have one person or 10. So that for me has been the recurring theme as I've grown because I didn't take that time. And as soon as I did, it just made just a world of difference, obviously. So I think that really looking at those job descriptions and expectations and having someone you could bounce them off of that has maybe a different personality type or perspective than you see the world is super helpful because there are a lot of goals that maybe you don't feel that an employee or someone else would need answered. So up front when you're hiring people is making sure you've got the expectations set, you're writing the right job description, so you're attracting the right people. So is that kind of how you screen people just based off of the job description or is there something else you do when you screen them? And then my second part of the question, you either answer this together separately, but once you've hired someone, what does that look like? Because you mentioned that you want to tie them to a profit producing activity so that they have skin in the game. So is it they need to bring in a certain sales number or is it, as you mentioned earlier, a certain number of people need to come to the open houses? How are you actually measuring their success once they're hired? And then how often are you looking at this? Are you doing quarterly reviews, yearly reviews, things like that? Yeah. Lots of questions. I love it. I so appreciate it because this is an area that I've just been so heavily focused on this year. So it's all fresh, these answers. So it's good timing. So the first thing that I actually changed at the beginning of this year that has been so powerful in the hiring process is when I post a job description, I also require that they send a video with the resume. So just as an example, I was hiring for my executive assistant and I had 84 applicants. And out of the 84, only four read the directions and provided the video. So it was just awesome to, one, vet people a lot more upfront, and then also get a feel for the person so I don't have to reach out and do that first interview and all of that. The second thing just with that hiring piece is really checking references and checking five references and asking those references for more references when you call. That just gives another level of perspective to the person. So that's the other thing. Also taking time to court this person in a sense, even going out to getting dinner or drinks or something like that. So you can see the dynamic in that way too, is looking at it more of like when you would start dating someone, what are those things that you would look at? We don't take that fully over to hiring. We more have this annoying task we no longer want to do, and it's super urgent, and we get the wrong person in that whole try to hire slow fire fast. So just take the time up front to go through who they are as a person and all of that. The piece that has been really exciting with regards to everyone contributing to the bottom line and production is incorporating that into each role. So What that looks like for an admin staff is we have created focus points within the real estate business that they're assigned to. 
for example, one of our admins, we have created a silo, if you will, that she is in charge of our out-of-state agent referrals. So she lead, lead generates, she reaches out to them to create that relationship so that when they're referring a client here, we can be their point of contact and vice versa, but that is her only focus. So when those clients get referred to our team, that market is 25% referral, she gets 10% of that 25% that comes in. So she's focused on that. And then another admin is focused on her sphere of influence because she's lived here a really long time. So we've assigned these roles and then they build that into their daily schedule for at least an hour that they are doing outreach to making calls and all of that. I feel like there was one more question. Some of those questions. Um, oh yeah, the last part was the ongoing reviews. So how often are you doing that and what does that look like? Yes. So doing weekly reviews with each person and going through metrics, but also tying it more to the silos, those assignments that they are in charge of from a higher level. How can we move this project forward versus it being about like what they're doing day in and day out? So yeah, as far as that's concerned, I found it's made such a difference keeping in contact and touch with the employee like in a structured way versus you can go months and months and not really check in and then they leave and you wonder why. So it's really helpful to run that way. Are you a believer more in the, when you're doing these meetings, audio or do video too? We have an office, but we do video. It would be like Zoom or in person at the office. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to ask you about that I didn't get to, so I'm going to incorporate this into the best ever advice. So this could be your best advice that you have. Because I was going through some of your social media and you've got a pretty big presence on there, constantly doing stuff on social media. So what's your best ever advice? This could be specific to just real estate investing in general or a real estate agent who's trying to grow their brand. So what's your best ever branding advice? It seems so simple, but to realize that every single thing you do affects your brand. It either takes away from it or contributes to it. The way you leave the house, the way you speak, what you say, the words that you use, how you show up in every way. And then as far as the investment side of things go, just you can't know your numbers enough. I look at multifamily and apartment complexes and all of that. And it's just crazy how many people pad the performance to get that higher ask price. And if someone is going to ask, you to do the work to get the rent up, they should compensate by lowering that total price. So just really the advice is really dig into all the expenses on investments and always shoot high. And if you're building, shoot for longer. It's going to take longer and they're not going to sell right away. <laughs> all right, Stacy, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? First, a quick word from our sponsor. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference, February 17th through the 19th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced crowd and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies. You'll also be building relationships and, quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group of eight to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. You can get the lowest prices right now at BEC2022.com. That's BEC2022.com. Okay, Stacey, what is the best ever book you've recently read? The 5 a.m. Club. 
the 5 a.m. club. So you get up at 5 a.m.? I don't. It was four this morning, but it's not a regular. <laughs> but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what the book's about, getting up earlier? It's about that, but it's about so much more. It's just about... It is 5 a.m. and there's all these studies about working out and learning and your daily routine. But the way that it's written, it's so helpful for every area of life. Okay, cool. I'll have to check that out. So I need to start waking up earlier. <laughs> if your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? I would continue forward with consulting and helping people with everything that I've learned over the past 15 years. So you do invest. So this could be either from one of your investments or deal you've done with a, a client. But what is the best transaction, best deal you've done? I look at the best deal from a client perspective of the money that they've made from the investment and the other factors that were important to them. But I think the best deal is a client that had purchased a house that was 2011. And he purchased it for $78 a square foot. And today it's almost $300 a square foot. And wow. so- I love that kind of stuff, just seeing, you know, them succeed in that way. Sure. So on the flip side, and again, this could be an investment. It could be something that's not even related to money, like a major problem that happened on a deal you did, but what's the worst deal (laughs) that you've done? And then what lessons were learned from that deal? I recently developed and built 11 custom luxury homes, and it took way longer than was expected for everything. And there was a portion of financing that I had used that was higher interest. And I will never do that again because it goes way faster and it eats up all of the profit. So it's obvious, but just when you're in it, you're putting the deal together and there's aspects that it makes sense to do that. But if it goes too long, which is what happened with me, it Mm -hmm. eats all the profit and it's not worth it. So just being really mindful of that. What is the best ever way you like to give back? Teaching young people all of the things that I wish I would have have learned starting the the company when I did. I was just failing forward. So I actually am in the process of starting the BIM Foundation, which is the Believe in Me Foundation, which helps young entrepreneurs with business acumen and goal setting and just really designing their life because that made all the difference for me. That's awesome. Then last question, what is the best ever place to reach you? That would be on my website. And because my last name is super long, I've made it simple, which is limitlesswithstacyb.com. And that has all of my contact information and et cetera. Perfect, Stacey. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us your best ever advice. Some of the top things we talked about was advice you'd have for agents or really anyone who's getting started during a recession or is going through a recession and you have a very positive attitude about it and are actually excited that there's a recession because that's business that you can get from people who might not necessarily be cut out for this or maybe got into it and just wrote the previous economic expansion and didn't really have the proper business plan in place to thrive or maintain during a recession. We talked about other customer service things you do with clients, like your nurture campaign that you send out. We talked about scaling. So the beginning phases of scaling, hiring your first team member, how did no one do that? Then the most challenging part of scaling, which would be setting expectations and not just hiring people and you said expecting them to read your mind, wouldn't they be great? And then we went to more specifics on working with employees. You said that's a big focus of yours this past year. So we went into a lot of detail on things you've done during the hiring process, as well as once you're actually hired and making sure you're tying what they do to profit producing things. Talked about the focus points that each team member is assigned to and 
how the compensation is based off of that, and then the weekly reviews that you do. And then lastly, the best ever advice was for number one, the brand, realize that everything you do either adds or takes away from your credibility and your brand. And so keeping that in mind. And then for investing, making sure you dig into those numbers, making sure you're doing your underwriting and you do due diligence properly to a high standard. So Stacey, thank you so much again for joining us. Best of listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow.